Wow. I got background music. What do I have music? Mic is on. <laughs> I went live on Twitter Spaces for the first time ever, just because I was curious. <laughs> At the same time, I was like, let's do them both together and see what happens. Uh, I don't know if we call it Twitter Spaces or X Spaces or whatever it is anymore. But anyway, it's a little icon with the speaker. Uh, and I went live and then I played all this music until I turned the music off. Someone joined. <laughs> okay, so listen. Now, uh, that's going to get really annoying really, really quickly. All right, so I'm simultaneously doing this live on YouTube and on, let's call it X Spaces. We'll give it a go. We'll, we'll try. See if we can stick with it. See what happens on both of them. Uh, g'day, everyone who is joining on uh, on either the, <laughs> the X Spaces or the YouTube. Joe's there from the UK. Wayne, evening. Tmont nine seventy seven. All right, I'm gonna have to turn that off. It's gonna drive me nuts. Uh, like it's it's nice seeing people join, but let's let's just turn that down a little bit and see what happens. Now, just so I went to start this, I go on these Cloudflare emails, uh, DDoS detected, which is equal parts fascinating and concerning, and I seem to get this a lot. On Have I Been Pwned, and here's exactly what I'm saying, because I'm looking at the Have I Been Pwned dashboard now. Security events. In the last 30 minutes, of which the last 10 minutes is basically all of this traffic, 336,000 requests to the homepage. Get requests to the homepage, largely from Indonesia. Now, Indonesia is a big place, but it's not really the demographic for Have I Been Pwned. What are they using here? Uh, very, very high prevalences of exactly the same user agents, but lots of user agents with like 5,000 requests on them each, uh, spread across different IP addresses, IPv4 addresses, IPv6 addresses here. Everything to have a bandpone.com, everything to the root, everything is a get request. This is like the worst DDoS ever. <laughs> like, why does this happen? Hmm. I have no idea. What the point of this is, and I was actually thinking the other day, why am I either, why am I bothering? Like, why do I bother allowing Cloudflare to detect this as DDoS and block it? Because it's get requests to the home page, which are massively, massively cached anyway. So I, I think I need to um, maybe tweak those settings. Odd, very odd. It's a fascinating place, the internet. Okay, let me jump into sponsor first, and then I'm going to go and do a, do a, a few other sort of usual things as we do each, each week here. Sponsor this week is a brand new sponsor. It is NTT, and not a sponsor I've had before. NTT is here talking about their Samurai XDR, offering affordable enterprise-grade security for business of any size, $40 per endpoint per year. Try it for 30 days for free. Now, uh, this is like free, free, not free as in put your credit card in and then you get it for free and then we'll start billing you. In fact, I, was, I thought I thought it was an interesting sign of the times. As soon as you drill down and you do have a look at, uh, at what Samurai uh, XDR is doing here, the biggest text here is no credit card required. I was lamenting that is a little bit of a sad state of affairs because you know how many times it's like free trial <clears throat> and like that's the bold thing and then you go, oh, yeah, I, I like free. <laughs> I would like to have a free trial. And then you go there and it's like, any your credit card. And I hang on a moment. <laughs> this doesn't add up. So anyway, they're doing free trials without the credit card. Uh, try it for 30 days, complete access to all their functionality with no limit. 
on the amount of endpoints, no payment details required. So good on them. Go and have a check of uh, Samurai XDR. I, I did notice as I was looking at this at this uh, offer here, the URL is uh, samurai.security.ntt. Don't just go there. Go to the one that links from my blog, and then they'll see that you actually got there from the blog, and they'll see some usefulness out of it. But the TLD is .ntt, and this is a brand TLD. So I was sort of just started digging because I thought this was uh, this was quite fascinating. NTT is Nippon Telegraph and Telephone Corporation, which is of course the parent company of Samurai XDR. Uh, so they have gone and got themselves one of these very fancy brand TLDs so that they can dot NTT all of their things, which no, no, in my own geeky way I thought was kind of cool. I wonder if I could have like a dot pwned TLD. I bet you I can't afford that. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of those things that's going to be like massively, massively pricey. Anyway, Samurai XDR, go and check it out. Click the link on the blog or when I put the links into the other things when I publish this later on. Timok1977 says, X is the worst name ever. I don't know where this obsession with calling his companies X is. He's different, isn't he? He's, uh, I know other people use other words to describe him, but he is different. I... I was thinking this morning, do I have to go through and update the little bird logos everywhere and change into an X logo? And I just, I do not feel compelled to do that. I really don't. I would have liked to see it remain called Twitter. I don't know if, it's a little bit like, remember years ago when Trump got elected and everyone was like, he seems really, really weird. Is he just playing at multiple levels above us? Or uh, is he just really, really weird? Um, I don't know. Could be that. Either way, he's obviously been successful with a few things, so he's not completely nuts. Niran is in Melbourne. G'day from Melbourne. Now one hour ahead. We do not have daylight saving in this state. We do have daylight saving in the state that is 30 minutes that way, New South Wales, and the state below. So they are now all one hour ahead of us. We don't have it because of the cows or something like that. Confuses the cows. So moving on. Where were we? What was the subject of today? I put it in a tweet somewhere, didn't I? Now, I do actually remember off the top of my head the first thing because it was consuming quite a bit of my time yesterday. I've uh, written a lot about have I been pwned architecture over the years and one of the, the cornerstones of the architecture that made it very, very cheap and very, very fast and very, very scalable was all of the pwned records going into Azure table storage. Now, if that sounds confusing to you, Azure, <laughs> we're Australia, Azure, I'm quite sure it's Azure. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying it, and X. So table storage is really just a key value pair store. It is very, very cheap to keep your data in, uh, even when you get to 6 billion plus records, which is what we've got in Have I Been Pwned. In case you're looking at 6 and you're going, but Troy, the front page of the website says 12, uh, there is one record per email address Roughly speaking, each email address has appeared in an average of two data breaches. So about 6 billion records, some number of hundreds of gigabytes worth of data uh, in that particular store. And it's very, very fast to query by email address and to query by domain. And the reason why it's so fast is because the way the data is petitioned is every domain of which an email address has been pwned has its own petition. So there is a troyhunt.com petition in Azure Table Storage that's got like three records or something in it. There is a gmail.com petition 
in Azure Storage, which has got a very large number of records, and I don't even know how many. It's obviously massive. So divided down by petition. So when we query by domain, we just like literally go and pick up the acmecore.com petition. It's pretty fast. When we query by email address, we go to the acmecore.com petition and we pick up the row that has the key John. So the alias is the key. So super, super, super fast. And it's, it's fascinating. I remember even back when I first launched this, and I had like 150 million something records almost 10 years ago now, about to hit the 10th anniversary. People are like, why is this so fast? And now we're at 6 billion plus records and, uh, and it's still very fast. In fact, it's still the same. I have seen absolutely zero degradation performance. However, there are problems with table storage. Many problems with table storage. Now, one of those many problems is that there is no good backup and restore plan. Disaster recovery is periodically I will go and run AZ copy, AZ if you're in the other part of the world, AZ copy, and I'll back it all up into a massive, massive JSON file. And it takes about a week at the moment. And then if I ever have to restore it, it's going to take about a week, I assume, to get it back in. This is not good. There is no point in time restore. There is no geo-replication that is practical and usable for this sort of model. Uh, there is, what else is there? None of. There's obviously no relational integrity because it's not an RDBMS. And for the most part, it doesn't matter until we get to the point where we want to start doing more ad hoc queries or we want to index other things. Table storage was perfect. It's gone great. It's lasted well. It needs to go. So we are currently looking at rolling things into another data store. And originally we were thinking, well, you know, Cosmos, Cosmos would make sense. So Cosmos is, I guess, logically Azure's successor to table storage. Uh, Cosmos gets very, very expensive. Uh, Cosmos is Cosmos is something I need to do more research on to have a properly educated opinion. But in the research I've done and the education that, uh, that I've had from other people, I don't think that's the right fit. So anyway, what we're doing is we're actually looking at uh, using SQL, uh, as in SQL Server, but the Azure definition of SQL in terms of their serverless model. So Azure does have a serverless SQL model. It's been around for a few years. That's not what Have I Been Pwned runs on at the moment. So Have I Been Pwned doesn't just have the table storage stuff. It does also have an RDBMS, which stores everything from a definition of all the breaches through to when you sign up to notifications, through to when people do domain searches, take subscriptions, all of the much more, uh, I guess, typical enterprise database sort of stuff. I, I, I would say that the table storage stuff and searching for email addresses and domains is very atypical. So there's a database there already, uh, and it runs on a, a, a SQL Azure instance. It is a scaled instance with a set number of DTUs. Occasionally, like yesterday when I loaded a large breach, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, occasionally, I have to scale the DTUs up. It takes quite a while. You lose some traffic along the way. You scale it back, same thing. So that's not great. So we've got this situation at the moment where we've got a SQL database model, which which needs to be better in terms of the scaling bit. And we've got table storage, which is massive and it needs to do much more enterprisey stuff. What's the way forward? And the conclusion that we're sort of reaching here is that we will use uh, a serverless SQL instance. Pro tip, still runs on servers. <laughs> so, 
but that is the word that we use these days, serverless, when we don't have a logical container of a fixed size. Use a serverless instance. We're actually looking, when you go serverless, you have several different tiers. There's like a business critical tier, there's a, there's a general purpose tier, and there's a hyperscale tier. Now, other than just sounding cool, <laughs> hyperscale does seem to be like looking like what we need here. It's backed by much faster SSD drives. You've got much more configurability in terms of geo-replicating into read-only instances and things like that. So perhaps we get to the point at one stage where there's a geo-replicated instance of uh, just the breached email addresses that is, let's say, in the EU to keep people in the EU happy because apparently if, if the data is there and I manage it from here, that's better. Anyway, that's another discussion. So that is uh, that is an option there. Uh, the thing that frankly scares the hell out of me is I have screwed up cloud before in a very financially disadvantaged, disadva disadvantageous, that's the word I'm looking for, disadvantageous way. I've written before about how I got pwned by my cloud costs because data that was stored in blobs, in Azure, massively cached at Cloudflare, got a little bit too big for the cache at Cloudflare, and suddenly all the data that was served from the edge suddenly got served from the origin, and I ended up with like a 10 grand bill after absolutely no time. It happens, and I'm very, very worried about that with Azure SQL hyperscale. Where I'm going with this is, that first of all, this is what we're thinking of doing, and we've, I'm, I'm just gradually rolling over different databases I've got in Azure into the serverless tier. Uh, I rolled over the Hack Yourself first one, the one that backs the workshops that Scott and I do. Rolled that over yesterday into the general purpose tier. That that seems to be going fine. And I've literally got my cost analysis here just watching it closely because <laughs> I'm, I'm, frankly, I'm scared shitless of having a massive bill. Uh, and I think we'll do the same thing soon with like a non-production version of Have I Been Pwned? And then when we're really comfortable with all that, we'll we'll roll the whole thing over. Uh, and that way, at least we've got have I been pwned the RWMS component running on what will excuse me what will be our, our future sort of infrastructure model for for data, and then we can start moving that table storage stuff over. But there's just a, a huge amount of consideration to be given for a database with six billion records that can sometimes need to do hundreds of millions of inserts into there when a new breach is loaded and also needs to do huge volumes of reads uh, when, when there's a lot of traffic and we get millions of people a day come to the service and also needs to be cost effective. <laughs> so it's that last point. We can do all the other things. Like we could make it fast and we could make it give all the enterprise stuff we need, all the point in time restore and geo-replication. We could do all of that at a price but we're trying to do it at a cost-effective price. If you have experience in the Azure SQL, I just said Azure, the Azure SQL, I'm going to start saying Twitter again next. If you have experience in the Azure SQL serverless realm and some experience around the hyperscale place, uh, please X me a DM or something like that so I can, uh, I can have a chat and pick your brain if you have any opinions on it. Okay, look at the tweets here. Tweets, idiot. <laughs> They're X's. And also, see, I can't make it work. It just doesn't work. Also, I'm looking at YouTube. James says, uh, 
So talking about um, worst name ever <laughs> with X, it comes from the old get the shortest URL possible days. It mattered when everyone typed URL before search was big. Elon grabbed it back then. I don't even know if it's that, you know, because you start typing and it auto-completes. It does for me anyway. Now he's having a midlife crisis and wants to relive the success of his youth. X was his old payment processing site. X became PayPal. Yes, which we, which we know. Timox says, uh, how does seriously wealthy people digitally secure, digital secure, differ from normal people who wouldn't be individually targeted by hackers? Would they be doing much beyond having big passwords with a big password manager or with a password manager? Uh, it would be lovely to be in the position that he, I assume you mean like billionaire, seriously wealthy. It'd be lovely to be in a position to need to find out. Uh, I can only speculate, but I would imagine... I would imagine one of the problems that people like that would have is the constant barrage of contact from people. So I imagine a lot of the, the, the challenge for them is actually keeping their contact information not discoverable and having people interface between them and the people that do genuinely want to get in touch with them. Uh, if I was to speculate around how accounts and things are configured, if you go through and turn on all the security bits of your Apple bits, your Gmail bits, your Microsoft bits, whatever it is, and you're using U2F keys and using password managers and all the rest of it, it, it is hard to imagine needing to do much more other than thinking about things like uh, the, the iPhones, what do they call it now, the lockdown mode, the one which turns so much stuff off. Um, I would speculate and say they've probably got multiple devices that they use for different purposes to isolate themselves from things like discussions with family and discussions with professional people. I'm speculating here. That would be a really, really interesting story if anyone wants to write it. But, of course, the folks who are in that position generally don't like to share that information too publicly for obvious reasons. Brian says, if it was a UK government project, they would try to use Excel <laughs> or an access database. Uh, that's my, that will be my lasting memory of the, the years in Pfizer is the number of times we would find an access database somewhere because someone had tried to solve a problem and we would then inherit as the IT department, we would then inherit the access database and all of the problems that come along with having an access database sitting behind, uh, or, or in many cases with different interfaces because the sales department and the marketing department all need to use it or some Crap like that. Crazy times. Robert says, uh, just set budget alerts in Azure portal. Yep, and that, that is one of the things that I did as soon as I uh, I had that nasty little incident with, <laughs> with the bandwidth. So that budget alert sits there. Hasn't gone off since. The budget alert is, um, is certainly something, but, you know, just having visibility. And for my friends at Microsoft who are listening, I, I think, it is hard to extract the right information in the right way from Azure cost analysis. So, you know, I'm looking at it now and let's take the database for, for have I been pwned, the relational database. Uh, I've got uh, a short period of time here, it's about a week or something where it's like, okay, the SQL database, I had a P1 instance and that's like $191 for this period of time. And then there was a P4 instance and that's like $11 that period of time. It's like, that's fine, but where it gets to me more messy, if I go down to, let's go down and look at it like a storage account. So there's a storage account here where, where are we? Uh, we've got a hot locally redundant storage write operations at 76 cents. Where's just storage? Standard node. 
uh, we've got a, a storage cost here of $2.05. But I cannot then drill down and say, OK, well, that's that's a storage account. How much of it is in uh, this container versus that container or this table, this queue? It, I just find it very, very hard to actually get the right information back to make decisions without spending a lot of time drilling down on things. That's my two cents, if anyone's listening. James says, uh, I still love spreadsheets. I use Calcast. Man, I was using spreadsheets. I use spreadsheets all the time. But there's a purpose for spreadsheets. So use Calc, open source to do my grocery list. You wouldn't believe how much time I put in the spreadsheet. It reorders my grocery list by location. Does Kanye West count as seriously wealthy? His password on his phone was 0000. Well, I have many words to describe Kanye West. Um, <laughs> wealthy is one of them. <laughs> might, might move on from there. All right. Data breaches. Three data breaches this week. Um, particularly now that I'm home. Uh, and instantly, I have no travel booked until like the middle of December which is awesome. And I've got very few events booked between then as well. So I'm going to be smashing out the data breaches, the new features, doing things like this database rollover stuff that we spoke about as well. So I'm really, really looking forward to a couple of months of not just really productive work, but hopefully getting out and spending more time on the water as it's getting warmer and everything here. That's my future. Now, twitter.com. Can't help it. Forward slash have I been pwned? Look at the breaches of this week. Speaking about the legacy breaches, and what, what you'll notice with Have I Been Pwned, I was speaking to, to some folks yesterday at a, at a bank um, who want to use it for, for some more enterprisey things, which, which we do a bit of. Uh, and it's quite fascinating talking to them about the sources of the data and where things come from. Uh, and that they had seen the ABC story, which I spoke about last week. So ABC did a, a nice story on Have I Been Pwned myself and the the data that comes from governments and FBI and things like that. And I was sort of explaining that, that there's a bit of a, an amalgamation of, of sources of data. So some things come in, into have a been pwned very, very early, probably before anywhere else. And the, the example I gave there was Dimix. So our Dimix bookstore in Australia. Uh, I loaded that a few weeks ago while I was away. Uh, that, was, that was one that I had to disclose to them that they didn't know about it until then. And then they had to do all their disclosure things. Other things, there's a bunch of old stuff floating around, and I literally have lists and lists from various locations of breaches that I'm going through that date back anywhere from weeks to months to years that I'm filling in the gaps with. And in case you're thinking, like, how relevant is it if it's like three years ago? It, it turns out it's very relevant. People are very, very interested. I, I see a lot of individuals uh, going and running searches, particularly after they get things like domain notifications, uh, when there's older breaches loaded, uh, asking questions, reaching out to the organization. So even though an incident might've happened several years ago, and even though it might've been downloadable from various hacking forums for quite some time, it is still genuinely interesting to the people and organizations that are impacted by it. So with that said, Horse Isle. <laughs> Isle as in Island, not as in in the shops. The secret land of horses. I hadn't heard of it <laughs> before yesterday or very recently, but someone sent it to me. Said uh, you should get Horse Isle in there. I'll give you a sense of how old Horse Isle is as a website. There is a square 
box there with the jigsaw piece icon in there that says this plugin is not supported and it wants to load the flash player. There's a word you haven't heard for a while. <laughs> flash, silverlight, remember those? So it's old enough that it actually wants to load the flash player, which is kind of fascinating. Now that's, uh, that's no longer there. So um, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Let's, uh, I'm just clicking on my, there you go, it's still there. Clicking on my Twitter X space or whatever it is. Still there. So uh, that's there. You can play Horsile for free or $5 per month USD. Game membership provides many benefits. <laughs> I never looked at what the benefits were. Support, access, ranch ownership. Once you can afford a ranch, it grants many optional benefits. Carry more items with sheds. Game identification. Train horses twice as often. Now, I don't mean to be disparaging about horse aisle other than the flash stuff, uh, because some people are into that, and that is fine. Regardless, they did get breached. In 2000, uh, so this, sorry, 2000, 2020. So this is uh, somewhat of a legacy breach. 28,000 unique email addresses. They're breached twice in 2020. The data included IP addresses, names, genders, purchases, and plain text passwords. Now, here's the kicker. <laughs> this is... <clears throat> This got uh, a lot of interest. In fact, I'm looking at this tweet, and I can obviously see all my tweet analytics. Let me put this in context about how often this has been seen. So we're going to talk, let's say the data breaches before this. The data breach before that was, uh, where was it? Apex, that was 21,000 views. The one before that was DB Forum, 17,000 views. This is views of the tweet. The one before that was an airline one, 23,000. The one before that, 26,000. So you're getting a, seeing the theme, 20,000 something. Horse Isle, 879,000. So why was Horse Isle, tweet, we're just sticking with tweets, I can't do it. It's not X. So why was Horse Isle seen 870,000 something times? Well, the reason why is because I quote tweeted it and I added some more context. That got a lot of traction. Now, here's what it is. The Have I Been Pwned tweet, I said, uh, you know, the data included names, genders, purchases, plain text passwords, including failed password attempts. And I quote tweeted that with screen caps of the table structure. So there is a table called bad password attempts. It has five columns, user, Varchar16, password, Varchar16. Oh, shit, I've just realized that too. They literally stored password in a Varchar16. There's a timestamp, there's an IP, and there's a type. And then if we look at the contents of the data, it stores the username and the plain text password that didn't work. So they're literally harvesting failed password attempts. Now, I don't what are they? Uh, what's that old saying? Like, don't attribute to malice what can be adequately explained by incompetence. <laughs> so I, I think it's that. I don't think that they were going out there, <coughs> literally going, how many password pairs can we collect? I think someone was just stupid. <laughs> like that's, that's the only explanation I have for it. And it's fascinating because <coughs> how many times have we all gone to a website? before we all had password managers, and thought we knew the password, entered it, and it didn't work. We're like, ah, it must be the other one that I use. So you've put that one in. And you can see this pattern here. Well, you can see someone here, and I've, uh, I've obviously obfuscated the username here, but 
the obfuscation is sufficient that you can still see that it's the same user. <clears throat> so someone here has tried the password Big Swordfish Nine with a capital B, and it obviously hasn't worked. So they've gone uh, Big Swordfish Nine with a lowercase b. <laughs> someone else here has had uh, Jack capital J two three zero four three. Now that hasn't worked, so they've gone uh, okay two zero four three Ripley. Maybe the name's Jack Ripley. Ooh, jeez. Someone else here. William714. Didn't work. Williams74. It's just, you know, there's, there's probably an interesting story in this. There's probably a more interesting blog post about <clears throat> the, the passwords that people use and the similarities between them. Now, of course, every one of these failed too. So Big Swordfish, it wasn't Big Swordfish 9 with either a capital B or a lowercase b. But I'm sure if we went to the user table, we'd find what it actually was. Maybe it was like a capital B and a capital S for sword. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> fascinating. So, <coughs> excuse me, that's, that's why I got so much traction. Because seeing someone store failed password attempts is just... It led to a lot of discussion. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Uh, <clears throat> Okay, look at the comments here. <laughs> Paul says Horse Island is probably next to Penn Island. Now, for those of you not familiar with the joke there, write it as one word and change where the space is and see how you go. Hmm. <clears throat> Brandon says, for some reason I'm actively thinking of Ponce image instead of actual horses. James, five password attempts. Were they trying to get people's other passwords? Well, again, you know, attribute to malice, incompetence, etc., etc. <clears throat> um, yeah. All right. So, next one here is Activision. Now, everyone probably knows who Activision is. Uh, this was this was not a major thing. It was twenty thousand employee records with sixteen thousand unique email addresses in December. It seems like someone uh, socially engineered someone in the HR department and got them to send a, a great big list of these things. 11% uh, of them are already in have I been pwned. One of the things that was kind of interesting about this is that it wasn't just like Activision.com email addresses. Uh, there were a bunch of email addresses from other organizations there. <clears throat> and my conclusion, just eyeballing it, is that when they had contractors or something similar to that, yeah, maybe the contractor was from Acme Corps. So they've got you know, John at acmecore.com in the Activision bridge. And this is just, I think, <clears throat> one of the interesting ways that people find that their data has appeared in places they wouldn't expect. Uh, so, you know, in, in the case of like Acme Corps in this case, I wonder if they knew that their data had ended up over there. Yeah, quite possibly not. Now, one from yesterday if you're into Chinese porn. Uh, statement you didn't see coming in this weekly update. HJEDD is a Chinese adult website. Uh, 13 million customer records. So it sounds like they had some, uh, some lack of password or authentication on their database. That was exposed. Someone siphoned all the data out, put in a popular hacking forum. Uh, that was 13 million customer records popped up in July last year. Impacted data included email and IP address, username and bcrypt password hashes. So I guess good on you for the bcrypt stuff. But yeah, that's uh, 
that is a lot of porn accounts that are there. So that's obviously going to have a campaign as a sensitive breach, not publicly searchable. Only 11% of the addresses were already in there because it is a Chinese service. So every time there is uh, a, let's say, a more regionally specific service, so we've had things from Indonesia and the Philippines and things like that before, you tend not to have a lot of crossover with the things that are more mainstream, uh, I guess, colloquially Western-orientated, the Dropboxes and the LinkedIn's and, <laughs> and probably the Ashley Madison's. Okay, so what else is here? Hack, hack and share. Instead of using multi-billion row-sized table, why not storing in files? So like Comb did, index over first character of email address, super fast and easy to back up. Yeah, but it's... Storing it in files doesn't give you all the enterprise-y database stuff like restoring to a point in time. It certainly doesn't give you any sort of relational integrity, which didn't get with table storage anyway, so it doesn't matter too much. It doesn't give you the ability to ad hoc query. Uh, it's... I think there are times and places for this, don't get me wrong, um, but this needs something a lot more than that, uh, particularly when you talk about massive volumes of reads and writes, geo-replication, um, it goes on and on. And if, if you want to see like how different a relational database is to storing in files, literally go and have a look at the feature list of a SQL Server. There's a reason it is traditionally so expensive. Hopefully not so expensive when I roll it into Have I Been Pwned, but we'll see. Okay, now, uh, blog post this week. So I started writing this while I was away. And this was just one of those ones where usually I write blog posts because I'm pissed off at something <laughs> or, or something similar to that. Why do I have so many tabs here? It's not just me, right? Where you, it just feels like you have every tab there. Uh, I'll get rid of some of those later. So I wrote a blog post and I called it Safe, Secure, Anonymous, and Other Misleading Claims. And I forget which incident it was in particular that caused me to write this, but there was a breach where we saw these claims and there's all of this posturing about how safe and secure and everything the website is, as if it was some sort of absolute position. And I've, I've spoken to this so many times before where I, I dislike the premise of, of using the word safe and secure and anonymous and all these other sort of misleading things in, in so many ways that we commonly see them because they imply a very absolute state. Uh, and, and very often you, you sort of get the question, is it safe? Well, well do, you, do you want like a yes or a no answer? Like, can I give you a sliding scale? <laughs> you know, because that's what it is. It's a sliding scale. You know, is this site secure? Well, uh, from what? You know, how much? How secure? These are things that are imperfect measures. And every time I see words used in the absolute sense as a marketing tool, it just it just sets me off. Now, I started writing it, and then I realized there was the perfect website to illustrate this. And as I wrote it, the story just sort of flowed. <laughs> so there's a data breach last year. <laughs> of Shit Express. Now, if you've not used this service before, firstly, good. Uh, secondly, it is literally a service where you can order a piece of shit to be sent in a box to someone else. This is a real thing, and it got press, quite a bit of press, I think. I think I seem to remember it, like five or six years ago or something when it launched. And it's it's meant as a bit of a 
a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. You know, it's like, and, and of course where I'm going with this is that they've had a data breach, the data is all over there. When you look through the comments, there are a bunch of times where someone's like, they're obviously sending it to a friend and say, ha you know, happy birthday, you piece of shit. You know, here's a piece of shit for you. And it's like, that's funny. There's a bunch of stuff in there which I would argue people would not like to have traced back to them. But one of the reasons I use them, not just the data breach, that one of their claims here is pay and stay anonymous. This service is 100% anonymous. It's not even like 95. If they had said 95% anonymous, I would have gone, all right, well, they're recognizing that there might be some gaps. That's good. But no, 100% anonymous. This service is 100% anonymous. We will never reveal your identity, even if you pay by credit card. Now, that alone should set some alarm bells off. Because if you pay by credit card, you have to give someone your credit card, your credit card, and it ties back to you. Living a significant portion of my life at the moment in Stripe, processing credit card payments from people using the Heavyweight and Pwn services, I know damn well that those cards tie back to someone. We all know this. And the financial industry is so heavily regulated and there's so much KYC stuff going on these days, you absolutely have to know who owns the card. So that alone is, is nuts. Now, I, I suspect what they meant is they use Stripe to do payments. Stripe knows who the person is. Shit Express doesn't necessarily store that, but they do store, I think it was the invoice ID from Stripe there. So imagine, for example, I was going to say this sounds silly, but when I talk about the, uh, the example I gave here, it will probably sound less silly. Law enforcement comes along and says, we need to figure out the identity of the person who sent this shit to someone else. So, okay, well, horse aisle, you've got the, the record of it being sent here. You've got the invoice ID from Stripe. All right, Stripe, we need to know which card was used in this invoice ID. That was the card. Cool. Bank, who owns the card? Job done. The other thing that made it not so anonymous is storing the IP address of the sender. Now, this does make you think, doesn't it? If, if you want to build any sort of service that is predicated on anonymity, storing the IP address is not great. Now, this is the IP address of the sender. Of course, it's not the IP address of the recipient. That wouldn't make sense because you wouldn't know who that was. There are email addresses in here that are the recipient. They didn't store that at the sender. But what it means is, is that you can now filter through and you can group by IP different pieces of shit people have sent. Now, I wanted to find one that I thought would illustrate the point here. So I found someone who went on a bit of a bender one night, or as I referred to in the blog post, a shit-sending spree. I think it was something like that. I'm going to get so much mileage out of this. Anyway, this person... Same IP address. Sent boxes of shit to six different, as best I can tell, high court judges in the US. <laughs> so here's the sorts of messages this person has sent. So this one's gone to Brett Kavanaugh. Now, I recognize that name because he was in the news. I'm not from America, but I'm on the internet. Uh, and I saw a lot of news about this guy a couple of years ago. And that's when I was like, oh, that's, that's a very unique name. That's very familiar. And then I Googled all the other ones that I didn't recognize. And I was like, yeah, they're all judges. So Brett Kavanaugh got some shit. And it says, this is the note that went to Brett. We, the people, never wanted you on the court to begin with. Not sure that's how it works. Anyway, 
Your history of sexual assault, no matter how much you deny, the truth is known by all survivors who have had to heal from cowards like you. You lie from the start in an attempt to eliminate our human rights. You should be ashamed. I pray you can find yourself in the truth. It's never too late to change, but we won't wait for you. Here's your box of shit. Horse shit. We'll come back to the horses in a moment. And then, so this is at uh, 5.16 in the afternoon in June 2022. 5.16. Eight minutes later, piece of shit sent to Clarence Thomas. Eat shit and burn in hell along with your treasonous wife. Can I tell you to do that to your body? Uh, again, there's an American politics thing. I'm not quite across this. If you know what they mean by that, let me know. I assume it's something to do with probably abortion rights or something like that. Next one goes to, uh, so that's uh, uh, another eight minutes later, good solid eight minute cadence from this shit poster. It's gone to Amy Coney Barrett. Your betrayal of women and everyone with a uterus, it's probably an abortion thing, is absolutely disgusting. I feel sorry for you to have so much hate within you and call it Christianity. Very religious angle with this guy too. Well, I could, it might be a guy, I don't know who it is because it's anonymous, except for the IP address. <laughs> to have so much hate within you and call it Christianity just because you... You, okay, so there's some encoding problems here. Turns out the Shit Express folks maybe didn't do the best job of their encoding. Either that or whoever dumped the database didn't. To have so much hate within you and call it Christianity, just because you're in a cult doesn't mean we want to join. Get your asinine laws off our body. Next one sent 11 minutes later. They might have needed a toilet break or something. To John Roberts. Perjurer. Fastest perpetrator. Resign along with your buddies. I think there must have been a toilet because he was... It was short, you know. He wanted to get that one out. Five minutes later, to Samuel Alito. Liar, traitor, get your fastest fucking laws off our bodies. How could you? You realise the name you're making, missing the apostrophe is Y-O-U-R. If you're going to send shit, at least get your grammar right. Uh, <laughs> you realise the name you're making for yourself in history, resign. And then one more, ten minutes later, <clears throat> to Neil Gorsuch, Gorsuch, Neil. Traitor, liar, there's blood on your hands and all of your bodies. So many people with uteruses will die from this. I hope you burn, resign. It does get a bit threatening when you're hoping, like, judges burn. That's, uh, that seems like the sort of thing you'd like to do anonymously. But we've got the IP address on everyone here. Uh, inevitably, there is a payment process. Now, whether that is Stripe and it's recorded there or whether it's cryptocurrency and it's Bitcoin, which very often does get traced back to an origin these days, is yet to be seen. The point is, is that people sent messages like this almost certainly because they believed the claim of anonymity. It is hard to imagine this person would be happy to attach their name and their identity to these messages. Uh, I suspect if they did, they'd probably get a knock at the door because it just seems like the sort of thing that happens in America. So that was happening here. And now, uh, as we scroll down a little bit, I used Ashley Madison as another example. Everyone knows the story of Ashley Madison. Back in uh, in June 2020, uh, 2015, sorry, before the breach, over 37 million anonymous members uh, Ashley Madison is the world's leading married dating source for discreet encounters. Then they had a trusted security award seal there and they had a 100% discreet service seal there. 
they had all of the anonymity and all of the security and all of the the hidden bits there where you're going to be anonymous. Now, we know, obviously, that that's not what ended up happening, not just for the people who were using the service, but also for the people who then decided they didn't want to use the service because they realized it was a stupid idea and they paid to have their data deleted, but it didn't get deleted. So, Ashton Madison, great example of that. Vastamo, Finnish psychotherapy service. So they're the ones that got ransomed in, when was that, about 2020 from memory. Uh, they got very ransomed, didn't pay the ransom. So the perpetrator, who has subsequently been arrested, which is great, perpetrator then went after the individuals and said, we've got your psychotherapy notes, uh, either give us Bitcoin or we're going to dump your data. Now, all of the data did get dumped. Uh, email addresses in have I been pwned. Obviously, it's a sensitive breach. But same sort of thing. On their website, they've said, Communication between the recipient and the patient is encrypted and is not stored anywhere. Well, inevitably it is. The discussions are kept confidential. Not so much. So look, I just sort of picked three examples there and, and I, uh, I, I ended it with, um, <laughs> with the scrolling or an animated GIF here that showed you know, one of the fascinating things about... Um, Shit Express is, they said, you know, that there are different animals. We know they're different animals. They're different animals you can choose the shit from. But the data only shows horse shit. <laughs> that was the only thing that was in there. And I remember after loading, so I sort of thought about it. I went, well, I don't know where this person is that runs it. But I know here, if you go out a little bit and you get towards the farming area and everything, there are often, often, free samples, <laughs> I want a better term, and there are often whole bags of the stuff you can buy because people put it on their garden. So maybe, maybe that is horseshit, it's just the best ROI, but it doesn't reconcile with the promise of being able to choose from different animals. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. All right, <laughs> let me see the comments after I went on the rampage there with the, uh, the things there about the anonymity and the privacy. Um, lots of complaining here about Twitter. Uh, okay. Brendan is lamenting so many tabs. I feel like tabs are almost a mental weight. Everyone is there for a reason. I'm meant to do something with it. I was looking at buying that thing and I haven't bought it. I'm not ready to buy it yet, but I'm also not ready to close the tab. <laughs> it just stays there. Uh Milford, hey, you're not reading a room or anything, I try. I just feel if I'm going to get stung with the black hat crap and all the death threats, I might as well learn the good stuff while I'm at it. I'm not sure I totally understand that, but okay. I'll go out the door, you inform the public. All right, fair enough. Um, James says, I feel the same way, but pick-proof locks, no such thing. They sell pick-proof locks to consumers and pick-resistant to professionals. I was just going to use that word. In fact, I was going to say resilient or something to that effect. But... Uh, you know, that is a, a much better explanation. It almost feels like false advertising, doesn't it? Actually, I'm pretty sure it's literally false advertising. But the, the point that I made here in bold towards in his blog post is I said, and this is, I, I think, a, a fair uh, description, assurances of safety, security, and anonymity aren't statements of fact. They're objectives, and they may not be achieved. Now, I would fully understand this if Shit Express said, I'm going to rewrite this for them. Instead of saying this service is 100% anonymous, if they said 
we will try and make this service as anonymous as we can. <laughs> but that doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? And what I find is fascinating is that even after the data breach, they still have that there. I assume the service is still running. Interesting. Uh, James says it's got to be abortion. I assume that is the judges and the uteruses and all the rest of it. That, that does seem to uh, add up. Um, this is here. Brennan says, I could almost argue that I went on a shit express there. Yeah, well, um, that was uh, it was kind of a theme that came up as I posted all this stuff. Okay, so look, I'm gonna I'm gonna start to wrap it up there. Now that I have less time at home, I'm I'm doing a combination of all the have I been pwned stuff, um, doing some 3D printing stuff for fun. I've got a lot of IoT things. I've still got this is this is like the IoT version of open tabs. I've still got shit shellies and stuff uh, sitting all over my desk. I don't know if this one works or not, or if these ones work. I need to test them. Uh, I need to get some of them rotated. I do find, particularly these shelly dimmers. A failure rate of, you know, we've got 80, I think, Shelleys in total in the house or thereabouts. Uh, I would say that we're, we're probably replacing one a month or something like that, which, which feels like a bit more than what it should be. But that's on the to-do list. I think I'm also going to be rolling over all of my uh, Zigbee bits from Decons to Zigbee to MQTT, which I think... I can do in parallel if I keep the Conbi USB stick in Home Assistant and that still does decons and then I've got the Home Assistant Yellow which has got onboard decons, onboard decons, onboard Zigbee and maybe I can set up Zigbee to MQTT on that one. I can just have two separate Zigbee networks running and gradually move. Ah, we'll see. This is what I'm going to be doing with my time at home. James says, you're going to flash those with open firmware? No, I'm not because no one's given me a good reason to yet and because it's open source is not a good reason and there's got to be something more. Uh, for the most part, I find these are actually really, really good in terms of um, I find the Shelly, the native Shelly integration on Home Assistant is now really good just talking directly to these over the wire. I did have them all on MQTT. I'm very tempted just to get rid of that altogether because I think that's now pretty redundant and just has a lot more configuration, but I'm not not 100% convinced yet. So I literally had both. But yeah, hey, James, if you have a, a, like a really good reason for why they should be flashed to uh, to open firmware, let me know. Um, you know how to get in touch with me. Okay, folks, uh, have an awesome weekend. We'll catch you next time. I'm going to end the Twitter and I'm going to end the spaces. Uh, did I say in the Twitter? In the YouTube, in the spaces. I said Twitter again. Shit.